And now, time to get in the huddle with your host, Charles Prodger Ritchie, here on the Mass Steel Podcast. Hey, you blink, I'll cut your eyelids off. Don't you blink. Let's go. You get where you feel like you can rush the quarterback. You understand? Rush the quarterback. Do you have room in the trophy for another one there? You got six of them. Now you're the winningest franchise in NFL history. We'll make room. And it is the summer of football, as we like to call here in Chicago and worldwide, as we're kind down to yet another season of the NFL, the 102nd season, uh, mind you, right now. Uh, first year, uh, can't believe we're finally slowly coming out of COVID right now, but uh, keeping fingers crossed for everybody right now with this new wave, the Delta mutation right now. Uh, please, uh, everybody, continue to stay safe and well during this time right now. Uh, it seems like it's it's attacking states right now with low uh, vaccinated sites. Uh, not to anything or stir a little bit of uh, high concerns or red alarms, but. Right now, I mean, let's just continue to come back of uh, normalcy safety. But anyway, uh, we're getting ready to count down right now. We're a little over three weeks away from Steelers training camp, which will begin on July 27th. As you can see uh, right now, join me right here on the right side of my screen. You can see uh, right now Wesley Euler. Wesley Euler right here, uh, if you're familiar with him, you can check him out online right now. He is a host on 970 ESPN Pittsburgh, the afternoon delight, uh, which you can uh, hear him uh, during late afternoons, as well as SNR Radio, too. You can access via the Steelers uh, app right there, the, the Yinzer app. Uh, it's called Steelers Blitz, and you can hear him with uh, Arthur Motes, especially every now and then, especially during the season, every day. And then during the season, uh, when times get through, when the games start counting, he's also uh, co-hosting along with Tim Benz and Am Crowley. You can follow Wesley on Twitter at Wesley Euler right now as we're getting ready to discuss the hot button topics going in the training camp right now. Uh, and some interesting uh, changes coming up here. But Wes, uh, thank you very much uh, for joining. And what's going on, my man? How, how you doing? What's up, Charles? I can't complain, buddy. Um, you know, middle of summer here. It's it's kind of a slow period for football, right? It's maybe the one time a year that football is a little quiet. Uh, but you said at about three weeks from now, that's all going to change. So I'm enjoying a little bit of a lighter schedule right now, but I'm, I'm certainly ready to get back to football here soon. Yeah, uh, real quickly, before we go into anything real quick, uh, I just want to know, uh, I was going to save this for the end, but I want to ask you right now, sure. uh, with uh, Tunch Oaken right now, and I know he means uh, just as much uh, to uh, ESPN Radio Pittsburgh, and of course, Steel Nation Radio a lot, uh, just recently had to announce his retirement due to his battle with ALS right now that he was diagnosed with uh, last year. I can definitely tell just by watching him from like two years ago when he was doing like hosting the show, you kind of tell something was a little off of his physique, like something was not going right. Uh, I just want to ask real quickly, any plans with uh, 970 ESPN Pittsburgh or SNR radio to pay a salute to Punch Oaken? And do you think uh, this will be the year he gets enshrined into the Steelers Hall of Honor for what he's contributed over the last quarter century? Also a beautiful four-year uh, football career with the Steelers. Hey, yeah, well, 
Charles, well said, and uh, and good question to to start out. And uh, always always enjoy talking about Tunch. Um, in terms of his involvement this year, I- I'm not sure what it's going to be. He he he's not going away completely. Um, you'll definitely still hear him on SNR. You will still hear him on ESPN Pittsburgh from time to time. Uh, but it won't be the regular show that he's that he does every single day with Wolf. Um, I'm not sure exactly. They're still right now trying to iron out exactly what our day-to-day schedule is going to look like. Um, but I, I do think you'll definitely be hearing from Tunch. Again, not regularly, uh, but often enough. Um, and then I apologize. What was the second part of your question? No, I was going to say, uh, do you think uh, this year, especially oh, – Hall of Honor. Hall, Hall of Honor. Honor, especially over like uh, 25 years of contributions uh, to the broadcast team yeah. – especially uh, being the, the official Robin to uh, Bill yeah. Hillgirl's Batman when Myron Cope retired after 2004 season right there. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about a stellar career right there. And uh, one of the very few in that Steelers organization could say he was part of calling two Super Bowls and analyzing right there. That's how many often we hear that outside that 70s Steel Curtain dynasty. Yeah, no, uh, Tunch has meant so much um, from a from being a, a pro bowler left a pro bowler tackle, you know, on yes. the offensive line um, yeah. to a, a, a guy that has now been a part of the Steelers organization for four decades. I mean, as a player and, and as a broadcaster, he was a part of the Steelers organization for four decades. Um, he is a part of the fabric of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is a part of the fabric of the city of Pittsburgh as well too, Charles, um, you know, the communities as well too. Um, I, I got to think again, I don't know. I wish I had some inside information for you. I wish I could break some news for you. Um, but I got to think that there's a good chance that Tunch gets enshrined this year because again, right. I mean, there, there's, there's no real reason to kind of beat around the bush with this. We all know the type of disease that ALS is and, and how, um, Tunch has been doing an incredible job fighting it so far, but we also know it, it can, you know, it can, it can start to, um, to check it. Things could change for him quickly. Right. Um, And so I think you want Tunch to, to be able to, I think they say a lot of times, right. You get your roses while you're still here, you know, get, get, get the, get the, the honors, get the accolades, get the praises um, while you're still around. And, and so I do think with all of that in mind, I think that this, this summer, you know, this, uh, whether it be during training camp, the preseason sometime after the hall of fame game, whenever um, it, it feels like the right time um, to get Tunch in there and to let him uh, receive just more outpouring of support that he deserves um, while he is still in good condition. And uh, let's go ahead and swing things over as we get ready to get a little closer to training camp right now. Let's just think, I mean, just think how this all went down. We all heard the forecast uh, last year during the season around middle, end of October, that the league was going to anticipate a huge uh, salary uh, drop right there. We weren't too sure how significant that was going to be right there. Uh, fortunately, it came around like around the early $180 million mark uh, the Steelers, uh, believe it or not, at the conclusion of this past season, were around $34 million in a hole. And just think for a moment real quickly, and I want to just know if you could just sum up the words, how much Kevin Colbert's value has met. I know he has Omar Khan right there, who does a lot of uh, master technicians with uh, contracts and stuff. And, of course, you got Art Rooney, too, uh, being in there, giving the stamp of approval on things. But – I don't know about you, Wes, but, I mean, look at where they're at right now. $13 million in cap space. 
still had a little bit of free agent signings. I love the Steelers organization. I always like to say it's like where they need to fix things. It's like you damage your car. It's like you got to go to like a parts store to get some stuff fixed, do some buy work right there. It's okay if you got to spend like a few little cheap signings right there every now and then. Look at this, $13 million right now. And just think for a moment, too. We had a radio station in Detroit almost rumoring Kevin Colbert to go to the Lions. I'm so glad that it was shot down in a hurry. That was not the case. Still going on a year-in, year-out basis. Tell me how much you think Kevin Colbert's uh, impact continues to be felt. Because, like I always said the last few years, I know there's always a team MVP, players play, coaches coach. But there's ever an ultimate MVP for that franchise. I gotta believe Kevin Colbert is one of them. You look at an example two years ago with Ben Rossford being lost for a season on elbow surgery, making a ballsy move with him and Art Rooney. Everyone had to be all in on that to make that trade for Mika Fitzpatrick, which yep. a game changer for that season right there. How much do you think right now having him still stick around as long as he is is so huge, first and foremost for everything, setting the tone for this season? Yeah, I think you you said that very well, Charles. Um, he's a guy who, for two decades now, has been doing this. He's had one losing season. I mean, that's that's just incredible. It really is. And and you know, it's it's one thing to draft the Cam Haywards and the DeCastros and the Marquise Pounceys and the TJ Watts, right? It's it's one thing to draft those guys in the top ten, in the top fifteen, even in the top twenty. But a lot of times, so many times, Kevin Colbert is picking from the back end of the draft. Um, Dale Lawley, who uh, who I work with at SNR as well, too, he did the math on this at the Combine. It would have been the 2019 Combine, the last time – or sorry, the 2020 Combine, uh, because obviously this past one, the 2021 Combine in February, um, not held to the public, not held to media. But we did get to go to the, the Combine in February of 2020, kind of right before the pandemic uh, took over our world and took over our country and Dale did the math on it and Kevin Colbert's draft position as the GM of the Pittsburgh Steelers average position was 24 I'm pretty sure like 23 and a half something like that and so to continue to have the success to continue to find the all pros and the pro bowlers in the a-level football players that Kevin Colbert does um, in the back into the first round in the second and third uh, and later on rounds as well too. the work that the team does in free agency. Um, it, it, you can't say enough about it. And, and you mentioned names like Omar Khan. He deserves credit as well too. Mike Tomlin. I'm sure you know this, Charles. I think most, most, you know, Steelers fans that are really in tune with the team know this, but I think a lot don't as well too. Mike Tomlin is very involved in the scouting and in the draft process as well as kind of like the right-hand man of Kevin Colbert. Not a lot of coaches are like that in the NFL. Uh, Mike Tomlin is very involved in the scouting and draft process, so he deserves credit as well too, uh, Mr. Rooney. And I think that continuity has been a big part of it, certainly. When you've had the same owner, the same general manager, the same head coach, the same quarterback, I mean, those are the most important positions in your organization. And for the Steelers, those have not changed now for for 14 years, 15 years. Um, that, that certainly goes a long way. But Kevin Colbert, I think, again, for the work that he does from the, from the back end of the draft, what they're able to do in later rounds, what they're able to do in free agency. Um, and, and, and again, all of this, 
while having success, while not having losing seasons, while being strapped to the cap every single year for the most part. Um, because when you are a good football team, you got a lot of guys that are getting paid. It's not like you have a ton of wiggle room. Uh, the way that he is able to scout, um, to, to, to fill this roster out every year, and, and to, to be able to balance it all from a salary cap standpoint as well. Uh, Charles, I think – uh, there's there's a couple people right now in the Steelers organization that are that are just no doubt Hall of Famers to me. Ben Roethlisberger is obviously one. I think right. Kevin Colbert's another. I, I think I, I think Kevin Colbert is a gold jacket guy. I think he will be in Canton one day. I'll definitely have to make a pitch for uh, Marquise Pouncey too. I mean, I know there's a little oh, bit of hesitation sure. with him. Yeah, there, there, there's more guys we can definitely talk about, but uh, but but Kevin Colbert to me is like a a, a without a doubt surefire lock like Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, uh, and real quickly, too, uh, here's another thing I want to get to as well, too. And when you also look at, speaking of, like, uh, Mike Tomlin, which, by the way, a uh, great coach. I know we'll always be reminded of the fact how he's never had a losing season. That's going to change this year. We're going to find out one way or the other. It's going to be a win right. or go-home type season right now. You can't escape the fact that it's going to be 500 and doing a phenomenal work. And, listen, I had people around. I kind of argued with people on this. As great as that is, but the thing where I get like a little frustrated from an observational standpoint and watching as a fan at the same time, when you keep reminding people year in, year out, well, we didn't do enough to win the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, he's a damn good coach. Keeps him in contention year in, year out. And I'll always keep getting reminded like, well, he's never had a losing season. At some point, when do you think people start to tune him out on that saying where that starts to get old at some point where it's like, yeah, but – I mean, yeah, we, we, we hardly seen a lot of coaches in this millennium right now win at least two Super Bowls or more. It's a hard thing to do, but at some point, when do you think the pressure for Tom? I know he's got like a three-year contract extension. He'll be around for the 2024 yeah, yeah. season at the very least, should they mutually decide to move in different directions. I'm not saying the guy's going to get fired. I'm not calling for a guy's job. Not what I'm saying. Sure, but at sure. some point, do you think the pressure really starts to mount on him really put under scope because two years ago, I think you and I could both agree that was a rehearsal for almost a full season without Ben Rosberger. I mean, it's not the same thing when you got the guy coming back a year later. I still think he could play back maybe one more year at the age of 40. Do not be surprised Mason Ruff or Dwayne Haskins is still not ready. Rosberger is still good enough. But my question is with Mike Tomlin, do you anticipate people like just slowly – or, or, or people win the organization or just around the league and just start to look at, you know what, something's got to change here at, at some point. What do you think does it for him? Do you feel that way? What would be the, the key uh, signs if, if that were to come to fruition? Yeah, so, man, you ask a lot of interesting questions there. And whew, I think in a way that that pressure has certainly already started. Um, I, I think internally amongst the organization and, and definitely amongst the fan base, certainly in Pittsburgh and in Steelers nation uh, as a whole at large, I, I think another season this year without a playoff victory or, or, you know, God forbid they miss the playoffs altogether. Um, again, I don't know if it spells the, the Mike Tomlin being fired this summer, but it might be the beginning of the end. Um we, we, we know this, the Steelers just, they, that's the way they do things. They have immense patience with their coaches. Um, 
you know, Chuck Noll went through tough times. Bill Cowher went through tough times. And and Mike Tomlin, you could argue um, by the standard that that was set before him and that he continued here at the beginning of his tenure, you know, three playoff wins in the last decade is not up to the standard. I think particularly when you consider the quarterback and some of the other talent and, and some of the advantageous situations the Steelers had, you know, losing home playoff games along the road as well. I, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, I, I I feel like that. I feel like that contract is pretty ironclad. Like, like I, I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit, Charles, but I would be surprised if Mike Tomlin got fired, but you know, if, if, if it's another um, quote unquote, you know, maybe disappointing or underachieving is maybe the better word to use uh, type of season this year, where, like I said, they flame out of the playoffs one and done again, or God forbid, they don't even qualify for the postseason. I think you could see some of those wheels start spinning, but I think the real kicker is something you touched on uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Right. If if yeah. if this year finishes out and let's say the Steelers go 10 and seven and um, and they lose in the, in the first round of the playoffs again and Ben decides, you know what, I think I got one more year in me. I can play till 40. I, I don't see the Steelers, you know, cutting ties with Mike Tomlin and, and all of a oh, sudden no. trying all of a sudden trying to find a new head coach for Ben's last year. Um, I, I feel like definitely 100 percent as long as Ben is here, uh, Mike Tomlin is here in Pittsburgh as well, too. Um, I wonder how much of this is tied to Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins as well. Cause you mentioned how we kind of got a glimpse into life after Ben. Um, let's say that that is next season. Let's say after this season, Ben decides to retire to, to ride off into the sunset one day to Canton. And in 2022 it's Dwayne Haskins or Mason Rudolph and the Steelers go nine and eight, you know, the Steelers go eight, and nine, something like that. And and then all of a sudden, you know, maybe Mr. Rooney, maybe some of the other decision makers think, okay, you know what, let's, let's see what we can do here. Um, I, I, I do definitely think that there is a, a strong possibility, like at least a 50, 50 chance um, that these last three years are, are going to be it for Mike Tomlin. Not, not like you said, not in the f- sense that he's going to get fired, um, but maybe just his contract runs out. He decides he wants to take a little break. You know, he's got a son who's playing college football now, another one who's going to be, maybe he wants to, you know, get a little more involved with his, his kids' football careers at that time, whatever it may be. I mean, he would be, he'd be pushing 20 years at that point. And, and in this business, that is a lifetime. Um, so there are certainly... Uh, there are certainly a, a lot of valid questions in that regard. And I'll say this, Charles, if, you know, if Mike Tomlin's time with the Pittsburgh Steelers is a round of golf, he's, he's much closer to the, to the 18th green, right? He's much closer to the yeah. 18th hole than he is to teeing off on that, on that back nine. Um, I, I do think that, you know, it, it might be single digit number of years. Like you could count on one hand, the number of years, uh, that Mike Tomlin might uh, still be on the sideline for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not that he's going to get fired or anything like that, but it just might be one of those things that that runs its course. And interesting note, by the way, two notes real quick uh, before we move on from the Mike Tomlin uh, topic. For coaches uh, in his current group, post-Super Bowl record, Mike Tomlin ranks uh, ranks uh, fifth amongst those coaches at three and yeah. six. Ahead of him are Andy Reid as the only one with a winning record at 10 and nine. Uh, followed by Pete Carroll at five and six, as well as Mike McCarthy, Sean Payton at five and seven, and then comes in Mike Tomlin at three and six. And no disrespect, I mean, to those other coaches, but I mean, clearly in recent memory in the playoffs as it relates. And like I said, I love a guy that keeps his team in contention, 
But the more you continue to go one and done in playoffs, I think that starts to get a little bit frustrated. And one other irony, too, think about this real quickly. Out of all the Steeler coaches in the last 50-plus years since, you know, Dan Rooney has got involved with his son, Art Rooney, to help out the Chief, Bill Cowher's the only one with a winning record post-Super Bowl. When I mean post-Super Bowl, I'm talking about from, like, Super Bowl 30 when he started off. This guy right here, Bill Cowher, who's going into the Hall of Fame in Canton, he has a 9-5 and five record altogether. I mean, in fairness, I'm not going to count they wanted to get from Super Bowl 40 because he didn't make the playoffs following here. But if you look at it in fairness, I mean, Chuck Noll at the same time, 2-4. and four. I mean, he was already, like, starting to be winded once that era ran yeah. out from that steel curtain and transitioned to – a new generation of players right there. It was the, the times, the 80s right there. It was the char- more characters were getting involved, and that was a little bit of a turnout for him, especially with the coaches where the league was starting to get flashy. So just just keep that in mind for a second. And like I said, I don't want this to be any uh, slights or anything at Tomlin. Love the guy, but at some point, it, it, the issue does start to press a little bit more. Harder That's just coaching in general, right, Charles? Sometimes, yeah. man, sometimes just the locker room needs a new voice. The organization needs to kind of chart a new path. That's that's just coaching in any sport, but particularly football. All right. Well, speaking of uh, coaching uh, changes right now, uh, this year going into the 2021 season right now, uh, there has been about six coaching changes uh, so far. We have about at least uh, five on the offensive side right now. Matt Canna, he now replaces Randy Feekner. Uh Mike Sullivan, he takes place of Mike, uh, uh, Matt, Matt Canna as the quarterback coach. Then we also have a tight ends coach right now uh, replacing last year, James uh, Daniel. He'll be replaced by Alfredo Roberts. Adrian uh, Clem, who's been an assistant for a, lo- for a while with the Steelers, he's the offensive line coach, who's his assistant, uh, Chris Morgan. And then uh, a surprising one, too. And I like Terrell Austin since he's came in here since 2019. I think he is just as impactful before he got a guy like Mika Fitzpatrick as far as, like, taking the ball away and Mike Tom getting more involved in that. Mm-hmm. But to be honest, I kind of found this one a little bit surprising when I look at it a little bit closer. Grady Brown now replaces – uh, Tom Bradley, and for the last two years, the Steelers have been doing a, a lot, a much better job being aggressive, creating turnovers. And not only that, too, we also went for a long-winded drought where since 2016 or 14, I should say, where they didn't have, like, interceptions returned for touchdowns. And we started to see that the last two years more frequently. Uh, those coaching changes right there on the assistant side – which one's going to stand out for you more? I would expect to be the offensive line coach, but I tell you one right now, too, one that would be really interesting. I got to believe he's on his uh, final uh, chance right now. That would be running back coach Eddie Falker. I think he came in since uh, they parted ways with Le'Veon Bell. Remember, Le'Veon Bell and his running backs coach. So out of the new coaching assistants, which one are you keying uh, on a little bit uh, closer? No, you're right, Charles. It is a it's a very uh, intriguing year from a coaching standpoint from the Steelers, not just for Mike Tomlin, for for a lot of his assistants as well. Um, 
you know, I could obviously talk about Matt Canada and just a, a more forward thinking offense that's going to involve, I think, more motion, more pre-snap movement, more play action, something that the Steelers have been at the bottom of the league uh, at over the past couple of seasons. Um, I could certainly talk about uh, Alfredo Roberts and how I, I, I think that it's a, a big year for the Steelers tight ends. They need Fryermuth to get up to speed as quick as possible. They need Eric Ebron to be reliable in the pass game. Um, but but I think I think you you alluded to it. The, the big one, right, is is Adrian Clem. It has to be. We we all know the magician that was Mike Munchak here in Pittsburgh yeah. for so many years. There's there's the phrase Munchak's millionaires, right? Of of all the guys that played for Mike Munchak both here in Pittsburgh and then went on to get paid elsewhere. Um, he's the best in the business. Um, Sean Surrett, things you know for whatever reason were not working out uh, up to par, and now it's 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 Adrian Clem's turn. And so not only is it his first year as the offensive line coach, right, Charles? All Great. of a sudden now you, you've got all kinds of moving parts. I mean, you lose Marquise Pouncey, you lose David DeCastro, you lose Alejandro Villanueva, Matt Filer is gone, right? The one starter that you have back in Chooks Akorafor is going to be playing on the opposite side of the offensive line. The new um, kids on the block, it is going so to, to be a real... <laughs> Say that again? The new kids on the block, so to speak. No kidding, on the offensive Yeah, new line. kids on the block, absolutely. It, 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 it is going to be... like they, they need those guys to get up to speed fast, right? Because we know... As long as the offensive line is B, right? B plus, B, B plus, this offense is going to be able to move the ball and score some points. We know the quarterback can play. The wide receiver room is talented. The tight ends are talented. Najee Harris is in the backfield now. The offensive line is the question um, for this offense, for how much they can do that Matt Canada wants to accomplish. For me, it's a, it's a big test in year number one right away for Adrian Clem. Thankfully, he'll have a normal offseason. He's had a normal offseason, right? They had OTAs, and they had mini camp. And though it won't be at Latrobe, this will be much more of a normal training camp for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They'll have the four preseason games, one extra than everybody else except for the Cowboys. Uh, it is going, it's a big test for Adrian Clem right out of the shoot in year number one. He has to get those guys ready um, because they are, they are the big question mark, I think, for this team. The offensive line unit, I think probably more so than any unit on the team, offense or defense has the most question marks. Um, so for all of that, I'll, I'll be very excited to see what Adrian Clem is, is able to do with those uh, raw, inexperienced young group, but, but a group that, that seemingly does have some talent and some upside as well. We're uh, being joined once again by uh, Wesley Euler, a uh, host of 970 ESPN uh, Pittsburgh, uh, the, af the afternoon uh, delight, as well as SNR Radio Steelers Blitz. And uh, and Clint said that better myself, too. And real quickly, now let's go into the position battles right now. Now, I mean, you mentioned on the offensive line, too, I think definitely is a clear runaway winner here as far as, like, uh, positioning. I mean, we still got to see a little bit more – I think like Al Fryermuth and the tight ends, I think the receiving, and then like some of the competition that will be put on Alex Smith right now to be a right-hand man to TJ Watt on that 3-4 defense on the left and right side linebacker position coming off the edge. Uh, because many people would argue that Bud Dupree was significantly uh, huge. I mean, a, a loss that was felt late in the season right there. I mean, the Canada, they were starting to form – on the offensive line right now, I heard uh, Bob ask uh, Armani Dawson this uh, on an interview they did. 
And in a similar position where Armani started off as guard, he switched over to center. Kendrick Green right now. Uh, B.J. Finney, I think he's all right. Unfortunately, he's going to have that stain on his career where he's a guy that fumbled the ball and where it, it like clumsily fell down the base of roof. He injured his shoulder out for the season two years ago in the game against the Jets. Uh, what do you think about uh, Kendrick Green right now? Uh, do you see him slowly uh, transitioning into that mold probably like in the next season or – how do you see him coming along because, uh, in this offensive line right now? Because center, it, in baseball, it's that's like your catcher to your pitcher right there. No doubt right about there. it. Oh, absolutely. And, and again, especially for Ben Roethlisberger, right? A guy that just had such continuity, such chemistry uh, with Marquise Pouncey, a decade of those two together. You want to, to lock down that position as soon as possible. I, I think, Charles, I think they want it to be Kendrick Green as soon as possible, if that makes sense. Right. It, it, it wouldn't shock me if it, if it's a few weeks, maybe a month or two, you know, maybe it's a late October, early November before Kendrick green is the, the nailed on solidified number one guy. But I'll tell you this much from from what I was able to see, because I was allowed to be there for a few days at OTAs and I was there for all three days of mini camp from what I was able to see. They, they want it to be like, I think that makes sense, right? They want it to be Kendrick green as soon as possible. I, that gives them more options and more flexibility with what they're doing with the rest of the offensive line. Um, and obviously it would allow Ben and, and Kendrick green to, to start to develop chemistry as much as possible. And as soon as possible, I'm not overly confident that it will be Kendrick green, you know, week one Sunday up in Buffalo. It, it might be BJ Fenny. It, it might be JC Hassenauer. But I, I do believe um, by the time, you know, we're at least halfway through the season, by the time, like I said, we get to late October, early November, it will be Kendrick Green because I think he's got the skill set. I think he's got the tools. Um, and like I said, you you can definitely tell that they they want it to be this kid. They they want another pouncy situation. You know what I mean? They they want the rookie to come in to take the job by the reins and have it be something that they're not going to have to worry about for the next decade. Yeah, I mean, they'll definitely need to pounce on it, no pun intended, by the way, with this offensive line, with Kendra Green, I guess you could say. Uh, real quickly, also uh, in the, the storylines that will be going in here right now, too, uh, DJ Watt so far, I mentioned uh, earlier at the beginning of this podcast right now, uh, over $13 million in cash space right now, a uh, huge amount of that uh, for the $6, 8000000 million they were saving with the Castro's release, uh, which was a, a – a surprising, uh, shocking uh, release uh, since there was no injury report and uh, a little concern right now that they may have to find some discipline here in the form of a fine or loss or draft picks. I would expect a fine. But TJ Watt, do you think something will get done in time for the start of the season? Or do you think this is something that's going to push into next year right now uh, since they're going to be having a lot more money freed up uh, what's your take on Watt right now? Do Are you feeling uh, less confident that he's going to get his new money this year or is going to wait until the conclusion of this season? Charles, if you would have asked me this two weeks ago, I would have said 100% TJ Watt's getting signed before trading camp. Um, at mini camp, of course, he was asked about it, and he was kind of – he was very coy 
with his answer, you know, right. he kind of grinned and he said, I'm going to respect the process that's ongoing there. He, it, it's, it, it seemed like something was close. Something was imminent. At least the two camps, you know, the Steelers and TJ Watt and his agent, his, you know, his group, his camp um, were in discussions. Now, two weeks later, and there hasn't really been any noise. There hasn't been any movement or rumblings. I'm less confident, but I still, I still think it gets done. I, I understand the other side of it, of, um, it's a, it's a, it's been a weird salary cap year, right? We, we all know the NFL. Done, are you referring to this season? I imagine, yes, or yes, yes. Season? Like, like, like TJ Watt gets an extension done, um, before the end of July, you know, b- before training camp. Um, and I, I just, again, I, I realize the reasons now not to be confident, not to think that that's coming. We're, we are getting close to the deadline here because we know that the Steelers, once they get in season, do not negotiate these types of things. We know that the salary cap's been up in the air. There's a lot of question marks there, but we do know it's going to go back up in a big way another year from now when the NFL's new media rights package kicks in, just that insane like $3 billion deal that the NFL signed for their next media rights package that's going to help the, the salary cap skyrocket. Um, we also know, too, that they'll probably have some contracts coming off the books after this year, right? Maybe Ben Roethlisberger, who knows what happens with Juju, but it feels like he's going to try and cash in if the market's there next summer. Um, th- there's certainly plenty of reasons to think that the Steelers could continue to wait on this. But I just, Charles, we know, we've seen it historically. Th- the guys that they consider their guys, the guys they want to build the team around, right? They, they've done it with Ben Roethlisberger for a while. They did it with Antonio Brown when he was in his prime and with members of the offensive line too. Um, they've done it with Cam Hayward. They, they like to pay their guys. They like to reward their guys that they consider, you know, the pillars of the team, you know, the franchise players, the cornerstone players. They like to keep those guys happy. They like to take care of those guys. And, and on the defense, when you're looking right now, right, when you're looking down the line, TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick feel like guys that have to be here, you know, <laughs> for, for, for pretty much the rest of this decade, right? I mean, the next, the next seven, eight, nine years, um, you want those guys locked up in the black and gold at their, at their age right now, the ability that they've shown already when you can argue that they still could even get a little bit better, um, I just feel like that's going to be a guy that the Steelers are going to want to take care of and to lock down and to not, you know, continue to kick that can down the road. I think you saw some of this with Miles Garrett and the Browns with his extension feels like if they would have locked up Miles Garrett, you know, a little bit earlier, maybe they wouldn't have been on the hook for so much money. If you wait another year to sign TJ Watt, Charles, and he goes out and he does the darn thing and wins defensive player of the year this year, that price is only going to go up. The, the longer you kick that can down the road, I think the price is only going to go up. Even if there's an injury or games missed or things like that, we still saw a guy like Bud Dupree still got his money. Um, I think TJ Watt is still going to get his money regardless of what happens. But what could happen is he could end up costing more. I just feel like historically it, it feels like a no brainer. The Steelers like to take care of these types of guys. They're young. Um, they're giving them their second contract. You know, they were drafted and developed by the organization. They check all the boxes of, of being an outstanding football player and, and being somebody that you don't worry about making that type of investment in off the field as well. Again, not as confident as I was two weeks ago, but I still feel like they get something done with TJ Watt here this summer. Another caveat to add on to what you're saying, too, and I, I hate to be calling people out, but I must say this. Le'Veon Bell, for example, no disrespect, 
I mean, it was within his right to play by the rules within the CBA, but you could definitely tell it got under not only the front office, but also Mike Tomlin, his coaches, and some of the players' skin yep. for two, not two straight years, yet alone, when you could not get a new deal figured out. You decided to go distance yourself from your teammates, get yourself ready in game shape. I, I, I like TJ Watts' attitude, the way he's handling it. He's focusing on this season. He's being there with his teammates. And when you try and reward people like that, I think it helps to speed up the process of where you're highly optimistic about getting a new deal done, that you're around your teammates, you're showing a more serious commitment, that they'd be willing to cut corners and figure something out before everything gets started. I, I think there's a huge difference right there. And to be yep. honest, I, looking back at, I hate to say it, but Le'Veon Bell's agent is a freaking moron. He ruined <laughs> his career by sitting out that full season. You start to realize how much harder it is. And I have many people tell me how it is without the offensive line. His career, in my opinion, is just about uh, toast right now. That was a huge mistake. Money-wise, he got what he wanted, but performance-wise, I don't see it. Especially when you're blowing off an Andy Reid. All, all yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, so real quickly, uh, before we um, move on out here a little bit, uh, I want to ask you right now, on the landscape of Pittsburgh sports right now in general, I mean, outside the Steelers right now, I mean, the Steelers, it's kind of like that team right now where it's like, you live like in an area where it feels like a little bit unsafe at times, but it's still good enough to go out and do your things, go grab a bite to eat. Maybe you don't socialize as much. But it's like the Steelers and Pittsburgh, in my opinion, they're like that last rifle that you have hidden in your closet in case you need for backup protection that you could go to. <laughs> yes, you got the Pittsburgh Penguins right there. There's another team right there who's about a situation just like the Steelers, uh, first-round exits. And then you got the Pirates right now who are completely horrific right now who uh, their ownership right now, Huntington and everybody in Charrington, working together, just miserable years. What would you say is the pulse of Pittsburgh sports right now? Like how many more good years they have left before they have to go through a renaissance right now and a, a makeover? Yeah, you know what, Charles? Um, I'd say the pulse is getting closer cautiously to optimistic. <laughs> cautiously optimistic? Yeah. I, I mean – like, I, I think fans are confident that, you know, the Steelers, while they, they you know, you might have like to security talk blanket in a way. Yeah, you know I mean, right. I think people are confident that the Steelers, while, okay, while we might not be knocking on the door of a seventh Lombardi here, you know, right now, I don't exactly. think people feel like this team, this team's going to fall off a cliff either that, you know, as soon as Ben Roethlisberger retires and if Mike Tomlin moves on all of a sudden, you know, the team's going to go a decade without making the playoffs. The team's going to have losing season after losing season. I think people are pretty confident that the Steelers are an organization um, that just about every single year, you know, they're going to be playing meaningful football down the stretch at the end of the season. They might not make the playoffs every year, you know, but they're going to get to December and they're going to be playing meaningful football. I think maybe the same thing with the Penguins, right? Because Sidney Crosby's older, but he'll be 34 this summer. So it's not like he's, you know, Sidney Crosby isn't teeing off on the 18th hole of his career either. I think people think that the Penguins will continue to make the playoffs pretty regularly. Uh, hopefully they'll win a playoff series and not be a first round exit. But same thing. I, I think if you ask most people, honestly, 
it's a playoff team, but not a championship team. Kind of the same thing they'd say about the Steelers is the same thing that they would say uh, about the Penguins. Yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah, they could make some noise, but we're probably, you know, just a little bit past our, our true championship window. And then with the Pirates, man, it it's almost sad. It is, it is just apathy. I mean, it is just apathy. People just do not care. I'm, Charles, I'm 30 years old, man. They've had four winning seasons in my life. 30 years. They've had four winning seasons in my life. They haven't won a playoff series. They've won, they've won a wild card game against Cincinnati, but they have not won a playoff series in my 30 years of life. Like it's, 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 it's sad, honestly, because there was a time, you know, when the team was getting rid of Neil Walker, the local two guy. Words, two, two words to answer to the, why they're, they're suffering with the pirates. I, I don't know if you're going to believe her or not. You know who that is? Bob Nutting. <laughs> nope. I'll give you one better. It's, it's an RB. But not that kind of beat. Barry Bonds. Yeah. Barry Bonds <laughs> leaving the Pirates going to the yeah. Giants. Think about that. You're absolutely I mean, at the same, at the same they time. Won playoff, they haven't won a playoff series since. Well, even when Bonds was around there, they still weren't winning playoff series because of the way the format was set up. When you got into the playoffs, you're automatically in that pennant round before right. that started coming to life in 1995 when it should have been in 94, fakes a strike short in year, which cost them the right. World Series, or se- second World Series, I think, in the century. But I tell you what, that <laughs> it's, it's just sad. You know, you've been, have you been to PNC Park? I've I passed by it. I driven around like the neighborhoods of Pittsburgh like two years ago, uh, counting down, waiting to go to training camp. I tell you what, that was a beautiful summer of my life. I'm from uh, southeast side of Chicago here, and I got to tell you what, I love traveling on around the ro- roads. But man, I still cannot believe uh, two years ago was uh, Daryl. Uh, uh, what was his last name again? Uh, Drake. Daryl Drake, right? Mm-hmm. Daryl Drake passed away. Coming up, I mean, uh, two years ago. I was there that weekend. I got there like uh, on, at the hotel in like uh, around the Latrobe area, uh, late Saturday night, about seven eight o'clock. Wake up the next morning, get ready to go like training camp, and, uh, and I'm like near like a cemetery, which is like a little awkward. But before I'm going there, it's like I'm hearing the news that he passed away, and they're at the off things with training camp. I was there that weekend. Wow! And just yeah, oh that my was gosh. Nice. it was like. That was so messed up. I could not believe like what the hell was happening that weekend. But that was such a yeah. Uh, that, was a that was my second. That was only my that was only my second training camp. Yeah, that was that was that was a rough couple of days. Um, but yeah, it man stinks not to be getting out to Latrobe this summer. But yeah, it's it's dude, it's it, it's it's apathy with the Pirates. That that's all it is. It, beautiful ballpark. You know, um, but right. people were angry. You know, when they started trading Neil Walker and Andrew McCutcheon, and people were angry at first, but but now it's just apathy. It's 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 it stinks. It really does because I mean, you look at what the Steelers and the Penguins have accomplished. You know, over over the last 20, 30 years, um, and then and then there's the Pirates doing absolutely nothing. If you're not spending a dime on anybody or some like a key talent right there to kind of cash in what you're trying to develop. No disrespect. Let's not go for this uh, Philadelphia 76ers BS where it's like trust the process here with the Pirates. I don't think so. At some point, you do got to spend. Uh, last thing, and I just want to say thank you very much for sticking around with me. I know I kept you a little bit longer than I should, Wes. Sorry, thank probably. you very much, by the way. But last one before I let you go. Favorite football movie that gets you, like, uh, ready to go for the season? You watch, like, here <laughs> going into the season, during or after – I've watched one earlier in the year off the HBO uh, app, uh, Any Given Sunday. 
uh, which is a good one. I like Water Boy, like my top three, but what will be your football movie that you go to that gets you warmed up? So it's funny you just you just nailed two of my top three there. Uh, I love any given son. I love Al Pacino. I mean Al yeah. Pacino is just from the Godfather to Scarface How do you to think Donnie Sandler will fit in with that cast. They had to do that over. <laughs> I think he will fit in. Donnie Brasco or something. Any given yeah, son. I've always got time for Al Pacino. Uh, <laughs> I I love the Water Boy as well too. Love Adam Heck Sandler. Yeah. Uh, Mama's wrong again. I I I love the Water Boy. Uh, but my, yeah. my favorite football movie is Remember the Titans. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's just tough to beat. It, uh, Denzel Washington is incredible. The story yeah. is incredible. It's 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 so well acted. Um, to me, Remember the Titans is is not just the best football movie ever. I mean, it is it's arguably the best sports movie ever. It, it's it's a phenomenal movie. So those would th- that would be my holy trinity right there. Remember the Titans, Waterboy, and any given Sunday. Great stuff. Well, Wesley, I just want to just say thank you for uh, coming on and joining here. I don't know if you got any more stuff in the works coming up for the season, but uh, I think we're pretty much uh, hit it all. Uh, once again, uh, Wesley Euler right now, host of us ESPN uh, Pittsburgh of the Afternoon Delight, which is here in the late afternoons, uh, followed by uh, the Stan Saverin, everyone on Sports Show. And then you can also hear him on SNR Radio every day from time to time, especially more intently during the season alongside our most. Uh, that show is Steelers Blitz. You can follow him once again on Twitter at Wesley Euler. Wesley, thank you so much, my man. Uh, let's hope for a better uh, season this time. Uh, <laughs> let's not take a step backwards, but who, who knows? I mean, we'll, we'll see what this uh, group has got left right now, especially with Ben Rosberger. I Absolutely. sure hate to think we'll be life without him. I'm, I'm not ready to find out just yet. Me either, man. He's been the quarterback for the Steelers for over half. How spoiled am I? Over half my life, I've had Ben Roethlisberger and Sidney Crosby leading my two favorite teams. That's that's pretty spoiled. I'm not I'm not ready for life after those guys. Certainly. But thanks, Charles. This has been a lot of fun, man. Uh, likewise, Wes. Well, you take hang in there. You stay safe. Enjoy the rest of your summer and uh, continue the great coverage. And uh, have some fun for yourself. Thank you so much. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk soon, Charles. Take care. Likewise, Wes. (laughs) 